0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Had a conversation over the weekend that involves BYU and the transfer portal and some concern that BYU may not be getting the most that they could be out of the portal. Let's talk about it on today's show.
0: You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We'll
1: What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen to the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. They are our title sponsor today. They're helping you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. That's LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Once again, thank you for joining us right here on your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. A lot to get to ahead on today's show, but I'm starting today's show off uh, with BYU and the Transfer Portal. And obviously the portal window has officially closed for the winter period. That 45-day window that opened at the end of the regular season and obviously closed just last week on January 18th. I was talking with a friend of mine over the weekend and we got on the conversation of BYU and the Transfer Portal and uh, we were kind of going back and forth and his concern was, I'll just sum it up, going back and forth, was that that BYU, when it came to guys, they pulled out of the portal. He didn't feel like they had done necessarily enough to go and get high-level players, meaning they weren't getting, quote-unquote, enough Power 5 guys coming to BYU to help them make the transition to the Power 5. He pointed to guys like Ian Fitzgerald, the transfer from the FCS level at Missouri State, as well as Eddie Heckard from Weaver State that are coming to BYU, and he thought that uh, them jumping up a level, why were they playing at that level in the first place? And we kind of went back and forth on this, and I, I explained that my take on this is if you look at what BYU. Lost versus what they brought into the program in this transfer portal cycle. And it's not done yet. They could still bring in some bodies if they so desire, because anybody who's in the portal right now that is not signed with another school is eligible to sign at any point with a school of their choosing. Now, it's also acknowledged anybody who signs with BYU at this point would be obviously waiting until the spring term to enroll in Provo. But nonetheless, uh, the biggest thing my takeaway was that I get that there's concern with guys like Ian Fitzgerald and Eddie Heckert among others, BYU's bringing in from the transfer portal. I know that if you also go down the list, you look at uh – Uh, Look at guys like uh, Aiden Robbins. Now, he couldn't uh, break into the lineup at Louisville. We had him on this podcast a few weeks back, and he talked about the fact that uh, Louisville just was not a good fit for him. He goes to uh, UNLV, a G5 program, lower-tier G5 program in all reality, and breaks out there. So what is the concern that he uh, can bring that to BYU? Uh, Can he translate that level of play at the G5 level now to the Power 5 level where he struggled at previously? I get all of those concerns, but let me just say this. I am a believer that production at any level of the FBS slash FCS ranks, especially high production, high level production. So what I mean by that is you look at guys like an Aiden Robbins. He goes for a thousand yards in the Mountain West conference. And obviously the scheme fit more of what he was looking for playing at UNLV than what he had at Louisville. So, now, you tr- expect that maybe, okay, he comes to BYU. Maybe that 1,000 yards becomes 800 yards his first year as a Cougar. Okay, that's still very decent production, and you hope that guys like Hinkley Ropati uh, maybe somebody coming into the program like... Uh, um, who am I thinking of? I, I'm just bringing other, you bring other guys into this program and give them an opportunity to do what they do. That may translate to where they actually stand out. Now, a similar situation I feel like is with Eddie Heckard, and a couple of you commented this on YouTube as well, saying that why are they going against this? Why was this guy playing at the FCS level? Why is he playing at Weber State? How is he going to do what he did at Weber State at BYU? I get that concern. But the biggest thing is, is that this guy proved it multiple years in a row at the FCS level. And I am of the opinion, this is my personal opinion, that the highest level play at the FCS level is far better than a lot of the G5 play at the FBS level. A guy like uh, Eddie Heckard as an all American at the FCS level, he has proven himself at three and he played four years total at Weber State. And he's been a proven production guy during that period. Like I said, you're 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 taking a gamble on any of these guys coming into the program. Now that's the thing about this is you're you're taking a gamble in any of it. Recruiting's a gamble. The high school guys you recruit, you're trying to project ahead two, three, four years down the road and try and find out what they're going to be just by looking at their body types, looking at genetics, their production to the high school level. It's all a gamble. You're just trying to find the best players possible. So while I understand the concern of my friend, and some of uh, some of you pointed this out, like I said on YouTube about Eddie Heckard in particular, on our comments section, I get where your concern. Is. Is I get the concern leveled there, but the other thing about this is BYU needs guys who can come in and play, and those guys have proven they can play at the various levels they've been at. Ian Fitzgerald was a 29-game starter, if I'm not mistaken, at the FCS level in an offense run by Bobby Petrino that is fairly intricate and very hard to run in many ways. Bobby P- Petrino just got hired as UNLV's offensive coordinator for two weeks and then just got picked up by Texas A&M. He is a well-respected offensive mind, and to be an offensive tackle that can play in that system you have to understand a few things about intricacies of that offense to, to have that production that uh, a program like Missouri State had. Ian Fitzgerald will bring that to BYU. The biggest thing I am a believer in, and this goes for the point of like, Waylon Lapuaho, for example. I've talked about this previously. That Waylon Lapuajo, BYU, uh, according to what I read, had not offered him. And if I recall correctly, BYU just never felt like he was reciprocating the interest they had in him coming out of high school. And so be it. They let Utah State uh, pick him up. I guess not; they didn't let Utah State pick him up. But regardless, he picks Utah State. He goes to Utah State and plays essentially every non-garbage time snap out there at the FBS level this past year as a true freshman at Utah State. Had he chosen a program like a Utah or a BYU, for example, he would have never gotten the hundreds of snaps, if not maybe even a thousand snaps this year, of, of high-level play. And I, okay, you can argue what level, but he wouldn't have gotten that experience, the, the the playing reps that he got at Utah State had he picked a BYU or a Utah. That is what you're betting on here, are guys that have gone to the college level no matter where they happen to be playing at. Isaiah Banya uh, playing up at Boise State. Had a very injury-filled campaign this past year, but was Boise State's leading sack artist the year before that. You're betting on him returning to form and being healthier this year for BYU and returning to that pass rusher form that he had the previous 2021 for Boise State. I throw all those names out there because there were names that came up in the conversation I had with my friend, and I think we came to an understanding between the two of us, and hopefully you guys are picking up what I'm putting down on this, is that proven production at the college level, it's actually easier to translate that to to another program or another level of football in the college ranks than it is from the junior college or the high school ranks. You've been in a program. You understand the the intricacies of playing at the FBS level or the highest of the FCS uh, ranks as well. You understand what a college program is all about. It takes guys time to get used to the overall way things work in college football. That's what I like about what BYU did in the transfer portal. They brought in a bevy of guys who I think are either challenging for starting time or I'm already penciling them or maybe writing in pen their names as starters for BYU. Keaton Slovis is BYU's number 1 quarter. Back. Uh, Isaiah Robbins, number one running back. I think that Waylon Lapuahu, Ian Fitzgerald, and, and who else did they bring on the offensive line? I'm, I'm just, I, all these names keep popping through my mind as we go through this. Uh, let's see, they also brought in, uh, man, I am struggling here. I apologize. But regardless, all the names they brought in uh, via the portal here to me are either guys who are going to challenge for playing time. Probably going to be in the two deep at minimum or going to be outright starters for the BYU football program. That should excite you as a Cougar fan. That should make you think, okay, Eddie Heckard probably one of BYU's top two cornerbacks right now. A guy like Isaiah Banya, he's probably BYU's outside linebacker slash rush end for for day one opposite a guy like Tyler Batty. Jackson Cravens probably plugging up the middle of BYU's defensive line. Oh, Paul Paul Miley. That's the name I I was forgetting. Paul Miley. he probably comes in and challenges right away for starting reps at center and maybe gives an opportunity for a guy like uh, Connor Pay to move to guard and make BYU. BYU's offensive line better by default. There, I honestly, you could see an offensive line for BYU next year starting five left to right of uh, Kingsley Suamati at left tackle, a guy like Connor Pay at left guard, Paul Miley at center, right guard is Waylon Lapuaho, and right tackle is Ian Fitzgerald. Three of those guys were playing at different programs last year. The other two were guys playing in different positions this past season. That is what I think BYU has done in the transfer portal is they brought in guys who they believe, and I think that they have done a good job about this myself, about finding guys who are very capable of contributing at least in the two deep at minimum, if not starting right away for BYU. So... I, I get where the concerns are, and like I said, my, my friend, he still harbors reservations, and some of you may harbor those reservations about BYU and the guys they brought in the portal and what level they were playing at. You may worry that Keaton Slovis, every year since he had his breakout uh, freshman campaign at USC and then suffered sh- suffered that shoulder injury, that he hasn't been right ever since then. I get all of those concerns. But BYU's coaches are paid the big bucks to make the calls on bringing these guys into the program, and they have to believe in this. They have to uh, project on all these young men and believe that those are the guys that are capable of getting them wins because this is their livelihood. They are paid the big bucks to make these decisions, to go out there and coach these guys up, make play calls in the heat of the battle, and give them an opportunity to go make the plays that make you cheer as a fan in the stands. That is what this is all about. So... Uh, like I said, I, I get where the concern level is, but I would pump the brakes if I was a Cougar fan and talking to you face to face right now. Some of you are probably watching this on video. Some of you listening to it via regular podcast means. But I I would I would caution you to overreact too heavily to guys either BYU did or did not bring in and also the concern of what level they may have been playing at before arriving at BYU. BYU's coaches have signed off on, on these guys, and especially offensively the last three seasons. Why wouldn't you give a guy like Aaron Roderick the benefit of the doubt with the quarterbacks in particular, the running backs also? like They, they have found proven production in the transfer portal, most notably with guys in the transfer portal. So I'm going to... I guess I'm in in Team BYU, Team Camp uh, Transfer Portal. I I don't know how you want to describe it, but I think that BYU has done a very, very nice job in this Transfer Portal cycle and there will be another cycle upcoming. They may find some holes they still need to plug in this upcoming spring ball on defense and offense, and then they will have from March, uh, not March, May 1st to the 15th when that Transfer Portal opens up once again to have guys either entering or leaving the Transfer Portal coming into the program during the summer. This is an ongoing process and I think that BYU, at Maybe we should just uh, pump the brakes a little bit and just understand that hey BYU's coaches they are projecting and believe these guys can make the difference. Only time will tell when they finally suit up against Sam Houston State if they if they were right that that, that the the proof will be in the pudding. That's the biggest thing I suppose we should take away. Now Cougar fans' angst did not stop with the BYU uh, football program this weekend. The BYU men's basketball program whoo. What a rough road trip it was to the Bay Area. Let's talk about some of the things from that that I think BYU fans are, are harping on most. We'll get to some of that here momentarily. First, need to get a word in on our friends over at, uh, over not BetOnline, uh, LinkedIn Jobs. There you go. LinkedIn Jobs, uh, of course, has been a big partner of ours right here on the Locked On Podcast Network for years now. The best part, is you know, as a small business owner or hiring manager, no matter what company you're working at, you know that success this year in 2023 will depend on the team members. You surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire the qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals out there. The best part is LinkedIn Jobs is helping you file, excuse me, quickly attract qualified candidates to your open job jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond the resume data of each of their member 875 million member profiles to put your job posts in front of the most qualified candidates. And the best part is they help you identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs And then you help you connect with them fast and for free. They make it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications and do it all on the very same platform. It's an all in one tool, my friends. Give it a shot. That is why small businesses are rating LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post that job for free. Terms and conditions.
0: That's kabotaorangedays.com.
1: Thank you once again for checking out Locked On Cougars and joining us here on your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. want to encourage you guys to make sure you check out our brand new podcast here on the Locked On College channel. That's Locked On College Basketball. All the information you guys need about college hoops from a kind of a nationwide 30,000 foot view all in one place 30 minutes or less every single day. You also have great conversations with insiders, coaches, and players alike. Get it free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also check it out on YouTube. All right. Speaking of basketball, the BYU men's basketball program had a really, really rough weekend out there in the Bay Area. The Cougars come home on the heels of back-to-back losses at Santa Clara and USF. And frankly, BYU is right back where they seem to have started this season. Remember, we can go all the way back to the Idaho State opener for BYU. And what was the talking point when we came out of that game? Turnovers and the inability to find consistent offense. What is BYU struggling with two and a half, three months later? Turnovers, inconsistent offense, and in some cases, the inability to defend opposing teams effectively on the perimeter. That may have not necessarily been as big of an issue against Idaho State, but nonetheless, BYU just seemingly can't get out of its own way in basketball. Now... There are a number of, of you out there. I've had conversations with others this weekend about what's the job status for a guy like Mark Pope. And there was actually a very interesting Twitter spaces going on uh, during the USF game in the second half. Uh, Post Jimmer, uh, Steve Pierce, Jackson Payne from the Daily Universe were the two guys hosting it. They had guys like Jonathan Tavernari come on and speak. Uh, there were other guys in there. I listened to it for a, a significant period of that second half. And there was a very interesting piece from Steve Pierce and uh, Post Jimmer. Jimmer is what he is on Twitter. Number A number of you probably know who he is on the interwebs out there uh, paying attention to BYU basketball. And he had a thought, and this is an interesting one, is that he thinks that Mark Pope actually may beat the quote-unquote posse out of town by leaving BYU before the heat really gets turned up on him, and that may happen this offseason before BYU goes into the Big 12 Conference. Now, that seems like a crazy, crazy idea to me personally, but the more I heard Steve kind of uh, – delve into it and talk about it, it also made sense because I think many of us out there understand that Mark Pope isn't necessarily long for BYU. He was never really the quote unquote BYU guy. Kalani Satake, for lack of a better term, is a BYU guy. Grew up a fan of the program, played for Lavelle Edwards. His dream growing up, and then has now come back as the head coach of BYU. Are any of those things things that Mark Pope was growing up? Did he grow up uh, planning to play for BYU? Doesn't sound like it if you you talk to him. Did he pick BYU at a high school? No, he picked Washington, his hometown school. Then he transfers, uh, uh, decides to transfer. BYU re-enters the sweepstakes there. Does he pick the Cougars then? Nope. He goes to Kentucky and plays for Rick Pitino down there in the Bluegrass State. Now, I'm not saying that Mark Pope is not a BYU advocate. I'm not saying that he's he's a guy that BYU needs to get rid of. I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying is, that listening to Steve talk about it, he believes that Mark Pope has aspirations of of coaching at a higher level than BYU. Now, I can understand that. It's been very, very evident that he was a guy that wants to be at the highest levels of basketball. Coaching in the Power Five and coaching at the Big 12 level gives him that opportunity. But does BYU give him his best chance in his mind to live and coach at the level that he believes he's capable of accomplishing as a college basketball head coach? Well, there's that argument to be made. But there were a number of you this past week, and I saw it on social media, saying that has Mark Pope, is it time for him to be uh, have the heat turned up on him by BYU's administration? Maybe it is the time. But I, I for one... I'm not 100% certain that BYU has a ready-made replacement out there in the coaching ecosystem in college hoops right now. Now, you're immediately going to start throwing names like, what about Mark Madsen, Jake? What about Barrett Peary? What about Chris Burgess? Can you get him back to BYU after just one season uh, leaving for Utah? All those names are viable names out there. There's also, uh, as Kevin Young, I believe, who is one of the lead assistants with the Phoenix Suns in the NBA ranks, a a guy with BYU ties in the NBA circles. Any of those guys, in theory, seem like, okay, that could be an option should Mark Pope either, A, decide to leave, gets a bigger job, etc., whatever it might be. But the biggest thing right now for Mark Pope is he can't mail in this season. If he mails in this season, guess what? Anybody who wants to hire him is going to see that and say, why in the world do I want a guy who, who, who folded halfway through his conference season? Why in the world would I want that in my program? That's not what BYU needs to be looking at right now. Mark Pope took the heat on himself after that USF loss, as he should have because BYU has struggled mightily in so many departments that, at this point, who can he blame? Can he go out there and blast his players and have them consider uh, mailing it in themselves? No, he can't do that. So he turned the blame on himself. He took it on himself, and there was a I'm not 100 certain if it was him, but yeah, as soon as he got done with his uh, post game conversation with Gregor Bell on Saturday night, there was what I, it sounded like it was an expletive that uh, I'm not sure if he yelled it or somebody nearby hit uh, that headset. But it was a live headset and a hot mic, and it picked up some. There is frustration right now because BYU had put together a nice little run, if you recall, from the beginning of December uh, going into conference play, and. I, for one, was of the opinion that BYU was starting to put some things together. They were turning the ball over less. They are playing better defense as a team. They were rebounding like an absolute machine, giving themselves extra opportunities on the offensive end of the court, even though they weren't, still weren't shooting and scoring at the level they needed to be. It was giving them opportunities to get extra possessions, get extra opportunities to score points. Well, uh, since conference play has started, that is, a lot of that has fallen by the wayside. Turnovers are back up. I saw a, a metric that BYU is now 346. Out of 363 Division 1 teams On average In turnovers per game Something like 15.8 Yeah 15.8 15.8 per game Yeah 346 out of 363 Yeah That is abysmal You cannot win Basketball games With as lackadaisical As BYU is With the basketball So Maybe Mark Pope is not long for BYU. Maybe he has aspirations of going somewhere. But right now, all he can do is try and coach his guys up. And each one of these players inside the BYU men's basketball program has to look at themselves and realize that they need to be playing better. Dallin Hall, where was he on Saturday night? Where was Spencer Johnson? You know, those two combined for a grand total of four points against USF, and those four points actually belong to Spencer Johnson. Dallin Hall may be f- hitting a little bit of that freshman uh, wall that seems to affect a lot of guys coming home off. Of- Missions and even a true freshman period when they uh, get into a, the kind of the strain and the grind of a conference season eventually it catches up with you the month after month week after week day after day grind of playing high level basketball it starts to wear on you and Dallin Hall may be hitting a little bit of that wall right now but that, that's not an excuse for a guy like Spencer Johnson Rudy Williams has had a fantastic game 28 points in the loss but did anybody else go with him not really. And that that's the concern for BYU right now. They have this entire week off. They have their first uh, conference bye on Thursday, so they will not play Thursday. They'll actually be back in action Saturday night when St. Mary's comes to town. Now, the St. Mary's Gales are riding a nine-game win streak right now, and because of Gonzaga's loss to a uh, uh, LMU this past week, well, the Gales, they're the number one team in the West Coast Conference. And you know, you know that St. Mary's and Randy Bennett have just... Th- this much concern about BYU like they're talking about one of the just nasty rivalries that BYU has kind of built up in their run here in the West Coast Conference there is just this thing between St. Mary's and uh, BYU when they get together on the basketball court and you can believe that St. Mary's wants nothing more than to extend BYU's misery and make it a three-game win streak Uh, excuse me three-game losing streak for the Cougars BYU's got to figure some things out. It, it's not pretty right now for Mark Pope. And it's not pretty pretty for this basketball program. But conversations about Mark Pope's job status right now, great. You can have them all you want. But what's it, what good is it going to do for this program in this instance? It's not going to do anything. That outside noise, it has a way of actually affecting guys uh, more so than uh, anything out there. If they, if they think that or start to believe that maybe their coach has got one foot out the door – that would be very, very bad for this program because it's going to cause guys to be like, you know what, if he's not all in, why should I be all in? This basketball program has got to turn inwards. They've, they've got to coalesce around each other and figure some things out. And for heaven's sake, stop turning over the basketball. It is brutal to watch them just bumble and fumble and throw the ball away all over the court. It is just – it affects my enjoyment of a sport that I grew up a big fan of. Honestly, I I liked college basketball growing up. But watching BYU just make a mockery of it in a way and just throw the ball away with just seemingly no repercussions in a way and have teams score 20-plus points off turnovers every single game it feels like, it's just (laughs) – It makes you wonder. Okay, what wh- what am I what am I here for? Like, why am I watching this? Because it's not a pretty product. College basketball's already got a bad rep as it is, and when you have a team that's turned the ball over as often as BYU has been, it just makes you think. Okay, do I really want to invest all this as much as I should be investing in this program? That's for each person to decide. But man. Just cut down on the turnovers, and that honestly, if there's one thing BYU could do better, and then it, it would give them opportunities to win games that they have struggled with recently, especially USF and Santa Clara. Don't turn over the ball 15 times in the first half against Santa Clara. Was it? I think it was 11 in the first half against USF. If you cut those in half, I would think the BYU's uh, in far better shape. Maybe going one on one, maybe two and zero oh on the weekend with less turnovers in each of those games, but. It's just, it's been a season long deal, and it's just, it's infuriating. Honestly, it is just infuriating to watch them do this game after game. And honestly, uh, right now, there's not a lot of good vibes for BYU basketball. But like I said, conversations about the future of Mark Pope as the head coach, I'm not sure that's the right answer either right now. Alright, uh, we will finish up today's show with the first game of the 2012 season. Our look back at all 155 BYU independent football games continues. Also some notes on the weekend for other BYU sports. We'll get to all of that in mere moments. First, a word on our friends over at UCCU. UCCU is opening a new branch in Vineyard, my friends, and to celebrate, UCCU is giving away 2022 2023- Kawasaki Terex 4 UTV. It is one of the fastest growing cities in the state, speaking of Vineyard, and this new branch in Vineyard offers all the benefits of a UCCU branch. Multiple drive-up lanes, a 24-hour ATM, and UCCU's brand new interactive teller machines, or ITM for short, which provides all the benefits of meeting with a real live UCCU professional, either in the branch or right from your vehicle. It's a virtual connection to a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection. The best part is, celebrating that Vineyard UCCU branch, you can enter to win that 2023 Kawasaki Terex for UTV. Now the winner will be announced in April just before uh, summer to get you out there on the trails to enjoy some summer fun. So stop by UCCU's new branch and vineyard conveniently located right next to the Megaplex theaters and Top Golf today or enter to win at uccu.com. The best part is you don't have to be a member of UCCU to enter and there is no purchase necessary. That's UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day and always appreciate you guys supporting the show. Alright, a couple of notes uh, before we talk some more BYU football for a moment is congratulations to the 13th ranked BYU men's volleyball program. They swept Fairleigh Dickinson for their second consecutive night. Uh, Cougars expect to move up in the national polls after starting their season now 4-0 and uh, for BYU men's volleyball. They'll be back on the road uh, this week going down to California to take on UC Irvine in back-to-back matches. Best of luck to them in that. Now the women's basketball program, we just talked about some of the struggles for the men's basketball program. The women's team carried a seven-game win streak where you want to talk about good vibes going into a matchup with Santa Clara, but Santa Clara dashed those with a 69-59 to victory over the Cougars at the Marriott Center on Saturday. Now, it was another good game uh, for BYU's... Uh, uh, uh. Uh, Lauren Gustin, man, I couldn't remember I had to look it up. Lauren Gustin uh, had another double-double, her 19th of the season, but it wasn't enough. BYU just couldn't find the offense to hold off uh, Santa Clara as the Broncos win that game. BYU uh, obviously has their seven-game win streak snapped, and hopefully they'll be able to bounce back this coming week, similar to the men's team. uh, There's uh, not a fun weekend, honestly. Saturday was not good on the basketball front for the BYU Cougars. Now, before we go on today's show, we've now uh, completed one of the 12 seasons of BYU's independent era and today we f- take our first look back at the 2012 season for BYU. Now, coming into the season, obviously, Jake Heaps had transferred out of the program. It was Riley Jensen's uh, uh, job uh, for most people. But there was this little quarterback who transferred into the program for BYU by the name of Taysom Hill. And some of you might remember that name. Yeah, Taysom uh, was part of BYU beginning in 2012, coming home off of a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Had originally committed to Stanford before going on his mission. Uh, Some will have you believe that Jim Harbaugh essentially told him, yeah, go on your mission whenever. We'll get you into school whenever you return. Well, he came back in the winter, and Stanford doesn't take mid-year enrollees. They've never done that. Uh, They may have to change that in the future. But at this time, speaking of 2012, it was not possible. So Taysom uh, was looking for a new program and enter BYU. So Taysom enrolled at BYU, but the thought was that this was Riley uh, Nelson's team. He was going to go out there and absolutely light it up. We all know, if you think back to that 2012 season, that the season didn't go necessarily as expected. But they opened the season against Washington State at home. And Washington State, it was the first game for Mike Leach as the head coach of the Cougars. Obviously, Mike Leach had been in uh, football purgatory for a couple of years. He had been unceremoniously fired uh, after the Craig James incident, or Craig James trying to get him fired at Texas Tech. Uh, And Leach uh, comes back to BYU as a BYU grad with his, uh, his Washington State Cougars, his air raid offense being implemented. But BYU, from the jump, Absolutely dominated Washington State in this game. Riley Nelson ended up passing for 285 yards and two touchdowns. Taysom Hill also threw a touchdown pass on his first career pass for BYU as they kind of inserted him. He was supposed to be uh, essentially a gadget player, a wildcat quarterback, uh, ex- for an example. Uh, but BYU just absolutely came in and absolutely pounded Washington State in their home opener 30 to 6. So BYU starts the season in fantastic shape. Uh, you're 1 0. Oh. Life was good. I remember I, I was was actually at this game covering it at that time uh, for my station. And uh, I remember thinking, okay, Riley Nelson is the truth. Like he, He's got all the juice, all of the moxie. What can't this guy do? And that, the funny thing about this was, if you remember, Kane Akua Friel was BYU's best option in this game. He had six receptions for 101 yards. Uh, Washington State had no answer for this guy. They also ran for 123 yards. Michael Elisa had come in, was essentially BYU's guy at running back. There's also this young running back who'd also enrolled at BYU by the name of Jamal Williams. He ended up carrying the ball six times for 15 yards in this game. We all know that Jamal would end up doing for BYU, but for the start of the 2012 season. It was a fantastic start because you remember I remember all the hype all summer long about 2012 was okay. Riley Nelson, he's got this thing figured out what 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 is he capable of accomplishing in this BYU offense now that he is the guy, quote unquote, the guy for BYU's offense. Well, game 2 Weber State comes to town. BYU uh, trying to go to two and zero, and they did go to two and zero. We'll talk about this tomorrow, but there was an unfortunate hit in that game, and a debate on whether Riley Nelson and those abs should have been showing. And we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. But uh, game one of the 2012 season, BYU's one and zero, and of course uh, the Pirate himself, uh, R.I.P. Coach Leach, but uh, takes the L as BYU began the 2012 season with one and zero, and obviously the Riley Nelson experience was about to take another twist and another turn uh, as we. talk talk about Washington State on tomorrow's podcast. So there you go. Uh, It's been a fun show, kind of up and down and all over the place. But nonetheless, thank you for your support as always. I always love you guys uh, checking in with the show, your comments, your uh, insights, your questions, your opinion, your analysis, all of it. It's all welcome. So once again, thank you for making us your first listen today. Now go make your second listen, our friends, over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Get caught up on all the news in Big 12 football, basketball, and beyond with Josh Neighbors. Get that free and available wherever you get your podcasts. also available on YouTube. Until tomorrow, my friends, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya. The
0: NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network